Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad that you guys are here this morning. How many of you guys have built snowmen? Oh, yes. I'm movied out. I'm fooded out. I'm snowman building out. I'm out. My 11-year-old wore me out. We took a walk on that first day, and it got cold. I said, Callie, we're going to have to wait till tomorrow because it's too cold to build a snowman. Okay? We went out and built a snowman. I know that some of you guys did, too. And we're so glad that you guys are here. If you'd open up your Bible to John chapter 17, verse 15. As you turn there today, we're going to speak about how we act when the bootstraps break. How many of you guys know that old saying, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps? How many of your bootstraps have broken? It's that place that we come to where, God, I've done everything that I know to do. Now I I know I need your help. Because in our relationship with Jesus Christ, we can't deny the fact that it's partly us and partly Christ. Now we know that our full righteousness is through Jesus Christ. Amen? But I still got to get in the car and come to church. You know, I got to turn on the TV. I got to change things. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, help me out now. It's that place that we're at, though, when we say, God, our bootstraps are broken. And I need your help. I believe this is a timely message for here. As I've had multiple meetings, you didn't ask for the situation that you're in. You don't want the situation that you're in. It may have been caused by you or by the world or by the enemy. It could have had a lot of causes. The different, it doesn't really matter because the situation is you're in the situation that you're in. And you're in a place where you need God to move on your behalf. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. I believe it will encourage you. John is writing, and this is Jesus speaking, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Let's pray. Father, our hearts are bowed to you. Speak through me this morning, God. Let our hearts be open. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Everyone, you may be seated. Go ahead and wave at your neighbor as you sit down. Thank you so much for whatever device you're tuning in by. Our heart is with you, and we love you. Here we see Jesus speaking, and there's... There's a certain thing that we've got to come to in our life that the reality is I didn't ask for the situation that I'm in sometimes. Have you ever been in one of those situations that was caused by somebody else? And you're like, God, I don't even want to be here. Well, we've all been there before. And it's that spot where we get where our bootstraps break. We've done everything that we can to do what we need to do, but we're in a place. For you, it might be sickness. It might be death. It might be a job loss. It might be somebody else's decision and now you're in a tight spot and you're trying your best to maneuver. Now, I I, I don't talk to people who don't know how to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Come on now, speak to me. I've eaten enough lunches with you guys and in your homes and sat on the back porches and drank coffee and you've told me about your families, about building businesses. So I know that's not the issue, amen? I know that I'm talking to some people here that's been through some stuff. You're not afraid to get out and work. It's not the uncertainty that scares you. It's not the effort that scares you. It's not the sweat, blood, and tears that scare you. What it is is you don't know if you're enough sometimes. Come on now. I know that there's some people in the room that I'm talking to that you've pulled yourself up by your bootstraps over and over and over again. You've raised families in a godly manner when the world would say, do not do it. You've stayed faithful to your job when everyone else said, quit. You've come to church when everybody else says, stay at home. I understand that, and I want to commend you. You've pulled yourself up. Oh, but there's a place that's much deeper than that. There's a place where you've pulled yourself up and the bootstraps break and you think, now what do I do? You've been in that place, what do I say, God? 
How do I act? Because I really want to not act very Christianese right now. I don't want to sound very Christianese right now. And you're in that place, and although God did not put you in that place, I, I hear this, well, God works everything out, and He does, and God's putting me through this. No, He didn't necessarily put you through that. Sometimes, if you go broke, it's because you spent all your money. God didn't spend it for you. Come on. You know what I mean? God didn't tell you to get in that relationship. You got in that relationship on your own. Now there's some situations you got to deal with. Okay? So God, no, no, but the thing is that he won't leave us or he won't forsake us. Now that he didn't do, he's still faithful, amen? And we all get there, listen, and I want to take some weight off. Yeah, maybe you caused the situation. Maybe you didn't. It didn't change the fact that you are where you are and we need God's help, amen? My bootstraps are broken. And this old adage comes from a, a, a kind of a folklore where a guy would grab his bootstraps and he would pull himself up and he was able to scale a barbed wire fence or a fence. Now, if you do that, you're going to have an epic fail, okay? You're not even going to make it that far and probably have barbed wire scarred across your face or something. But it's this, this, this thought process. It wasn't until mid-1900s, early 1900s that it really came to what we now understand is when you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, that means I'm no longer going to stay in the muck and the mire. Yeah, I'm going to do what I need to do to advance my family, to advance myself, to change my current situations. Amen? And I know I'm talking to some people who have done that. I've sat down and we've talked church history about where the church has come from to where it is now, about the sacrifices that had to be made by so many different people. Some of you guys have been here since the beginning and the ones that are jumping on boards, you've made sacrifices too. And we want to commend you and say thank you for doing that. So it's not a matter of that. It's a matter of that place when our bootstraps break. Now, before we go too far here, I want to encourage you a little bit. Because there's some things that Satan can use against us that we can use against ourselves. And three quick things here is first, we want to realize that it's normal. It's normal to be in a place where you need God more than you need anything else. Amen. And the trick is if we'll learn to live there when we're actually there, it's much easier to be there. It's normal. It happens. Life throws things at you. As the commercial says, life comes at you fast. Here's another thing. We all face it. We, we want to exclude ourselves, and we see in John chapter 17, 15, the reason why I picked that as my opening verse, because sometimes we have a misconception of Jesus, that if I just get a little bit more of Jesus, he's going to bail me out, that if I just read a little bit more, he'll take me out of the situation. No, what happens is the more Jesus I get, the more understanding I get how to respond to the situation. That way his light can shine, salvations can happen, healings can happen, and his, his kingdom can move forward, amen? He didn't take them out of the fiery furnace. Now, come on. He didn't take Daniel out of the lion's den. But we've got a lot of preaching in America that says you just read more, you just pray more, and if you didn't do it, it's because you didn't do this, this, and this right, and that is absolutely not true. We, take through, we, we, we get through it. I pray that you don't take them out of the world, but you keep them from the evil one. There's our protection, amen. That's what Tanner was alluding to, what we sang about, what Waylon was talking about. There's something in between me and the evil one, and his name is Jesus, amen? That's the best I can sing, by the way. That's it. That's all you guys get right there, man. Preach, preach, sing. <laughs> and I have, I have to practice to do that well, okay? Uh, final thing here, and we cannot do it without God's help. So let me re-solidify some things that you already know this morning. And, and we're going we're gonna to kind of take a country theme. A country boy can survive, Amen. Yeah, we're going to country girls too. Country girls don't want to be, want to make sure I get it right there. As we, we talk about this, we, 
we're taking that bootstrap thing, but, but I know that you guys will understand that, kind of from that farmer, that rancher, that cowboy. I was talking to one of my cowboy friends the other day, and, and he said, listen, Matt, these, these cowboys that are portrayed on TVs, that's not how cowboys are actually do their life. They don't drop the F-bomb every other word. They don't go out and do all this nonsense. For most of them, we meet at the feed store, we talk cattle, drink coffee, and go out there and try to honor our families and God. So there's some codes that we can live by. Now, not all of them are perfect, I understand that, but there's some codes that we can live by. When we get to that place, there are bootstraps break. And God, I'm at that place where I need your help. Joshua chapter one, verses one and two, and we're also gonna read out Ephesians chapter six. We're gonna hear from two different people. We're gonna hear how God speaks to Joshua. Now, Joshua, excuse me, I'm talking too fast. <sighs> Joshua, Joshua was the leader that followed Moses. Can you imagine having that job? Yeah, Lord. And he was the one that had the front row seat to see how, how Moses interacted. Moses would get mad and angry. Moses would go out and try to do stuff and come back. And the children of Israel would go crazy. At one point, he got so mad, he just said, God, these are your people, not my people. You need to take care of them, not me. Can you imagine? Josh is like, yes, I get to lead them. Pretty difficult. And he's at a spot here where he needs God Chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. You the man. No time to mourn because we've got some lands we need to conquer. Very tough. Ephesians 6 and 10, Paul is writing to his friends at Ephesus. And he goes through a whole discord and he gets to verse 10 and he says, finally. Have you ever been in that finally spot? I'm finally ready for God to do something. Have you ever been there? Come on now, let's, we're just talking as friends here. I'm finally sick and tired of being sick and tired. It's up to me to turn my eyes. It's up to me to turn off the entertainment. It's up to me to treat my wife or treat my husband like they deserve. I'm finally tired of being sick and tired. I can be the overcomer. Here, Paul is saying, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And we see that Paul is leading us to that spot where, listen, you've done everything that you can do, and that's normal. But now there's one more thing you can do. You can quit being strong in yourself and start being strong in the Lord. It doesn't mean we need to stop doing what we do. It just means we need to lean into God and say, God, we're at a place where you can take over. And it's normal and we face it. And as we, we talk about Joshua, as we talk about Paul here, I know you guys are going to be able to go with me. And as I read these two stories, as I actually, as I read the instruction of Paul and I read the story of Joshua here, I say that what God says in the Old Testament, he says in the New Testament. We don't, we don't need to discard the Old Testament. Can I get an amen? The first thing that we see here is we need to cowboy up. How many of you guys have heard that? Yeah, cowboy up. We need to be able to take directions from our Lord and Savior in a direct manner. We need to be able to handle direct speech. We need to be able to walk through the doors that God opens for us. We pray so hard that, God, you would open up this heart, you would open up this opportunity, you would open up this situation, then the door swings open, and many times we don't walk through it like we should. Part of that is because you're tired. My goodness, you're at a place where the bootstraps have broke. How many times have you pulled on those dudes to lift yourself up? 
You're fatigued. Your heart is worn out. It's been like a battering ram. You've been around that person over and over and over and over, and you didn't, they didn't treat you nice the first time. They didn't treat you nice the 17th time, yet God is telling you to go back. We got a cowboy up. This is what Joshua, this is what God tells Joshua, chapter 1. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, and you and all the people in the land I'm giving them to the people of Israel. Listen, I know that Moses is dead, but you're the man now. So what I want you to do is get yourself together, collect yourself, and your job is now to arise and to go. I know that you're tired. I know that you haven't fully grown into your position. I know that this is kind of new. I know that you're mourning your leader. I know that there's some stuff emotionally and physically and spiritually going on with you right now. But what I need you to do is there's these people behind you that need to be led by you. So what you need to do is get your stuff together, arise, and go over the Jordan. It's about time that we get across the Jordan, amen? Then we see this other part with Paul. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. Not a suggestion. He, he's talking to his friends, and he's saying, listen, you've got to put on the whole armor of God. You've got to do this so you can stand against the day of evil which is coming. And we see a direct orders. This is not a suggestion. This is not something that sounds good. It's not ideology. This is something that I must do. I go into my prayer room. I go into my place of quietness or whatever it's called. If I'm driving in the car to work or wherever God is sending you, you go in there and you say, today I protect myself by putting on the full armor of God. No, I don't feel like going to work, but I'm going to go anyways. No, I don't feel like talking to that person, but I'm going to talk to him anyways. Come on now. I want to be out of this situation I know at the end of the day, sometimes I just want to sit down with a cup of coffee and not worry. I'm tired. But we can't live our lives like that. We have those situations, and you're in that place where the bootstraps are broken, and you have to make up your mind to do it anyways. We've got to get tough and get it done. To get it done. So what does that look like? Well, I think Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 sets us up. Trust not, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will make your path straight. See, whenever you give your heart to the Lord, you don't have to worry about sinning against yourself because the Lord has your heart and you're not following your heart, which is deceitful above all, is what the Bible says. So if I'll just go ahead and give that to him, although it's been wounded and hurt, it'd be okay. And I'm gonna lean into him and trust in him. That's what cowboying up is. That's what getting tough is. God, I don't feel like going back. I feel like I've been a battering ram. Well, that's okay. Now, I'm not saying put yourself in a dangerous position. You guys know what I mean by that. Amen. So, and if you don't, don't put yourselves in a dangerous position. Okay? Amen. But whenever you're trying to reach, the devil doesn't like it. Whenever you're trying to expand the territory of God, our enemy doesn't like that. Amen? And there's going to be some things said about you. There's going to be some things come up against you. There's going to be some situations, and you have to be willing to say, I'm going to go and do it anyways. As we see the story unfold here, we see the next thing here. We see something that's very important that we need to build and mend fences. I didn't do a whole, I didn't grow up on this huge ranch. We, we owned a three-acre farm. And we had one cow that we raised for beef. Because this is what I found out. You can't make no money raising one cow. <laughs> but I did work later for a farmer like my sophomore, junior, senior year in high school, somewhere around in there. 
And I'd go out and we'd mend fences and we would make fences. And this is one thing I know about barbed wire. By the time I was done fixing a barbed wire fence, maybe stretching it, I had marks all over my arms and on my neck and all kinds of stuff. And people say, well, why didn't you wear long sleeves? Because I would have torn up the shirt too. And it wasn't fun. And that timber would fall on one of those fences and you have to mend it. Why? Because your livestock might get out. And sometimes it's not just what gets out, it's also what gets in. See, that's, that's the importance of fences and, and borders here. And here in Joshua, God's talking to him. And he says, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. See, the important thing about fences, the important thing about boundaries is it helps put vision in us. God was taking him out and he says, let me show you everything I want to give you. Let me show you what I want to do in your life. Some of us just need a little bit more of that. Don't give up. Go up to your quiet place. Go to that place and say God give me a vision of what you're trying to do show me the land that you've given me show me how this situation is going to work out I know you've got some promises out there let me see it God let me see it because that's what fences do that's what borders do that's what boundaries do is it shows us some things that God are wanting to do in our life but our natural tendency is to push back because we don't like to be told what to do it doesn't matter your age that's tough Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Yet again, we see borders. Paul's saying, quit fighting amongst yourselves. You don't need to be fighting with one another. You've got the target wrong. The target is the evil enemy and the evil spirit that's driving that person. See, whenever we have those fences, whenever we mend them, it helps us get our focus right. And now we can attack like we need to attack. Now we can fight like we need to fight. But we have to be willing to say, I need some fences and some boundaries in my life. And, and it protects us. So we know that fences create boundaries and they mark security. And, and in us, we see here that the fence took Joshua and said, listen, this is what I'm trying to give you. It created that vision inside of him of where God wanted to take. But it also protects us. It also protects us because we're within the confines of what God told us to do, and that's where the blessing is. Whenever I begin to wander out here and God didn't tell me to do it, I'm in a bad spot. I need to be where God tells me to be and do what he tells me to do, and I'm in those boundaries, I'm in those confines, and listen, whenever I go in, I don't need to be getting mad at people. I'm not saying we have to put up with a whole lot of static. You guys know there's a balance in there. You gotta protect your family and stuff, but at the same time, I don't get mad at the person, I identify the spirit, and then I go to war with that spirit. And I pray against it, and I read scripture over it. And we see this, that we have to mend fences, Mending fences is so important. Sometimes I'll step into some territory that I don't need to be in and I have to push down a boundary. And now I'm in a situation I don't need to be in. You know what I need to do? I need to step back over that fence, rebuild that wall so I can be in the protection of God because I never had permission to go over there anyways. Listen, with all due respect and I love you, that's not your situation. You need to keep your mouth shut. They don't need your advice like you think they need. They don't need my advice. Come on now, this happens. Boy, I could tell them, no, you couldn't. <laughs> and what you would say would be received wrong. It would only make the situation worse. Got to step back over that fence. <laughs> Rise that boundary back up. It happens to us. Now, come on, we're getting really real. We got to mend that fence. We got to mend it before we have to mend a relationship. That's much more difficult. And then finally, it marks our boundary. The, the importance of these is it shows us what we have. Sometimes we just lose sight of what's already ours. 
I walk out into my backyard and I see, and I live in town and I walk out and I see my fence and I see my, my pool and I, I remember what I've been paying on and what I own and what I have and what God's given me, given me the opportunity to have. The boundaries, that's to remind us what God's already given us and that we need to hang on to it. We need to protect it. Your family, we gotta protect that, amen. These little babies that we have down the halls and in the youth, we gotta protect those guys. We have them, but we have to do it within boundaries. We have to do it without what we saw this morning with up underneath the authority of the church. I don't go out and do my own thing, amen? As we continue the story here, we see something else. Very, we see this, this code of finishing what you start. When the bootstraps break, one of the things that you'll feel like doing is quitting. Have you guys ever felt like just quitting? I've just felt like quitting. Saying, God, I've had enough. I'm sick of it. I know that you've brought me here, but I don't know if I can physically, emotionally, or spiritually handle anymore. This is what God tells Joshua, chapter one, verse five. No man shall be able to stand before you in all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. The bottom of six, it says, and, and you will inherit the land that I swore to your fathers and give them. In Ephesians chapter six, verse 13, and having done all to stand firm. What do we see? We see a God who will finish what he started. A code that we must live by is I will finish what you have allowed me to walk in, God. I will finish what I've started. We've got way too many people that want to bail out way too quick. Yeah, it gets tough. Yeah, it's not fun. Yes, it's cold outside or whatever things that hold us back. But listen, God has given you something and we get to finish what we've started. Amen. It's a code that we live by. And we see that God is, he, he looks at Moses and he says, or he looks at Joshua and he says, listen, just as I was with Moses, I'll be with you. I'm gonna walk to the very end with you, son. You keep going. And just the, the, the land that I promised to Moses is still yours. You go get it. But you gotta rise up and go over the Jordan and you don't stop. And we get to have that same concept and that same code in our life. I know your job is not fun. You go there and you think you're the only person that's saved. Well, maybe you are, and that's the reason why you're there. But God sent you to that job, and you don't quit too early. You finish what you started. You've made some decisions early on in the year, and they've kind of slipped away. You need to finish what you started. I was thinking this morning as I was praying, I've backed off of sugar, and this week I haven't backed off of sugar. <laughs> and as I was praying, God said, I think you need to finish what you started, Bat. I was like, this sermon's not for me, God, it's for my people. <laughs> so I'm gonna jump back on the horse, man, jump back on the horse. We gotta finish what we started, Philippians 1 and 6, and I'm sure of this, now this is Paul, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion to the day of Jesus Christ. Now, this is the Apostle Paul. Whenever the Apostle Paul, he, he knows all kinds of theology, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, shipwrecked, beat, all these kind of things. And he says, this is one thing that I'm certain of, that God will finish what he started. And it's a code that we live by. We see it again in Peter chapter 5, and after you have suffered a little while. See, once again, Peter didn't say, oh, God will take you out of your suffering. He said, no, after you've suffered a little while. After your bootstraps have broken and you don't know what to do and you're there for a little while, God's going to begin to move on your behalf. And this is what he promises. He promises this, that Christ himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Now that's the apostle Peter, crucified upside down, had a mouth on him, wouldn't always do what God told him to do. But he finally got to the point of maturity where he said, listen, let me tell you something. I can tell you this. After you suffer a little while, God will restore. He will confirm. He will establish. He will do the things that you're looking for. But if you quit too early and you don't finish what you started, 
God can't finish what he started. But he will, because he's faithful. But we see that. We see that the code that we live by when the bootstraps break is, God, I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay hooked up. I'm going to stay hooked up. As we continue the story here, we see, number four, we see that you know that you are marked. One of the popular things among cattle raising is branding, and we know this. A cow got out on our property one time, the three acres there east of town. And I remember a guy driving by and looking at that cow, and he could identify that cow. He, could, he knew what he was looking at. He knew for the brand. He knew exactly what it was. You know what God says about us? That he knows us because we're his. Yeah. See, we're marked. We know who we ride for in a sense. We, we know that, that, that God is trying to do something in our life, and it's the Holy Spirit that has marked our life. So we go out of church and we go into the world, and of course we're going to have opposition. Of course we're going to have things that don't go our way. Of course we're going to be a target. Why? Because we're marked. If you're any kind of sports fanatic or listen to it at all, then you understand the people who are number one, those are the guys people can't wait to beat. Nobody cares about beating number 20, unless you're number 21. <laughs> But when you're, in the, when you're in the midst of the fight, man, it's knocking off that number one. And we're marked, we're marked. Joshua chapter one, verses seven and nine, it says, do according to all the law of Moses. And then he goes on and he says, do not turn from it. God was looking at Joshua saying, listen, you're marked. You're under the law of Moses. You need to do what I've commanded you to do and do not turn from it. And listen, you are marked. You're marked by the spirit of God and we can't deviate from the things in the word. We can't deviate from Jesus Christ. We can't deviate from what he's spoken to us because it's in that that the blessing is. It's in that where things will come loose. It's in that where things will happen, amen? That's where the confirmation happens. That's where the restoration happens. That's where nobody thought you could do it but in the very end as Peter said you will be established amen but we walk out with that attitude we know that we're marked Ephesians chapter 6 stand therefore having fastened the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and you you take the readiness given by the gospel of peace once again we're marked we're marked, we walk in truth, we walk in righteousness, and we walk in the gospel. It's the same thing that Joshua was said to do. You believe that there is one true God and only one God, amen? We have his righteousness through Jesus Christ, and that's the only way that we can accomplish it. And our mission in life is to carry this glorious gospel from place to place to place, that all men might come to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what the law of Moses was all about. You live like God tells you to live, you do what he says, and you'll see great things that will happen. One of my favorite stories is about Brian Ballsworth whenever he was being recruited by Barry Switzer. Now, if you're into OU football, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not, let me bring you up to speed. Brian Ballsworth was a great linebacker uh, back in the day for, uh, for OU. And he was in a place in Irving, Texas. The school was about 3,000 people. And, 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 and Barry Switzer was gonna go recruit him. Now, he had been told at that time that he really wasn't going to amount to a whole lot. He had some opportunities. He had just visited A&M and some different things like that. But, but they didn't know how far he would go. But Barry Switzer saw something in him, and he went after him, and he recruited him. And, and Switzer went in with this thing called swag. Now, you guys help me out. You guys know what swag is, right? This is the thing about knowing that we're marked in the Spirit. We carry a certain amount of swag with us that's not ours. This stylish confidence, if you will, that I know that I am a king's kid, that I know that Jesus Christ resides in my heart, and I have the Holy Spirit to lead and guide and direct me, no matter how tough the situation is. Amen? Amen. Oh, Barry Switzer walks in the cafeteria of about a thousand people, 
And he says, where's the boss? I want to talk to the boss. Of course, Brian Bosworth was so embarrassed he didn't know what to do because he had never been recruited like that before. He walks in and he's saying all this in a full-length mink coat, man. <laughs> oh, Switzer's there. He's got national championship rings on his hand. And he goes, Balls, I know you want one of these. Where are you at? Let's go talk, son. And all of a sudden, Brian Bosworth goes to OU. Why? Because Switzer had a certain amount of swag about him that he hadn't seen in somebody else. See, we're marked in the spirit and we should have that swag about us. That whenever I go into a prayer room that I'm not just throwing and hurling words up to heaven. That I have a savior who hears me. I have someone who stands in the gap. I have swag, someone who will hold the waters back who I can get to the other side. And it's not gonna look like what everybody thinks it's gonna look like but I'll walk in that intentionally. And I know that I'm marked. I know that I'm marked. The fifth thing here is we've gotta get back on the horse. As we continue this story, we see this thing where it's hard to get back on the horse. Now, the only horseback riding that I've ever done was an old horse named Cortez. There's a guy I worked for named Alvy Rogers. Some of you guys might know him. He was about 80 years old whenever he was teaching me how to ride Cortez, and I just had to ride Cortez. I was 13 or 14, didn't know anything about horses, never ridden one. Cortez had been released out in the field for years and years. I mean, his hips were grown up. He was, he was a one-eyed horse. He brought $9 when they took him to the cell. So this is where I'm going to get my experience and training on riding a horse. And now looking back, Alvy knew exactly what he was doing to me. He knew he was setting me up. He said, fine, let's go get Cortez. So I get up on Cortez, no saddle. I'm just hanging on to his mane. He has a halter on him and a rope and leading him around in circles. And it started out great. <laughs> you know, I'm riding a horse. This is not near as hard as what people say. <laughs> then all of a sudden, he starts getting him faster and faster and faster. And I start sliding to the side because I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm on this one-eyed horse, Cortez, saying, stop the horse, stop the horse, stop the horse. Good news is I didn't get bucked off. But for you guys who have ridden horses, you know that that happens sometimes. Sometimes a horse bucks and knocks you off, right? You know that you can be riding down a trail and everything be going right and the horse gets spooked and you're off. It's kind of like life, isn't it? My job's good, my life is good, my family's good. Then all of a sudden you come home and everything's not good. And just like the rider where you're on your backside looking up, deciding whether you're going to get back on the horse, you're on your backside because life is hitting you so hard and you've got to make up your mind. I've got to make up my mind. Do we still believe in God? Right. Do we still trust him? And I have to make up my mind to get back on the horse. Joshua chapter 1, verses 8, so that you can be careful to do according to all that is written. You have to do it all. Time in, time out. Again and again. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 17 and 18. He says, take up the shield of faith. He says, take up the helmet of salvation. He says, take up the word of God. He says, pray at all times in the spirit and to the end, keep alert. You guys already know that. We've just got to decide to get back on the horse and do it again. Because when the bootstraps break, trust me, you're at that point where you don't know if you want to get back on or not. I've been hurt too many times, God. My soul, I don't know if it can take anymore. My heart is hurting. My spirit feels like it's been crushed, God. And you're at that place where you're on your back and you're asking yourself, what do you do? Let's take a little advice from Mr. Miyagi. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. It's what Paul says that you already know. You've got to rely on your faith. You have to rely on your salvation. You have to rely on the Bible. You have to rely on the Spirit. You have to rely on prayer, and you have to endure. You have to get back on the horse. 
Yeah, you're sore. Yeah, you're bruised. Yeah, you're hurt. Yeah, your pride might be hurt. Yeah, you made some mistakes, but you've got to get back on the horse. You do it at all times. And you continue to take up your shield of faith. You continue to take on that helmet of salvation. You do it over and over again. I know I'm talking to people who know what I'm talking about. But you get, live by that code and you get back on the horse. And the final thing that I want to share with you is we finally realize that one of the great codes is some things just aren't for sale. Some things just aren't for sale. We live in a culture where it seems like we see people selling their souls right and left for fame, fortune, preachers getting behind pulpits and preaching whatever is easy that way, they can feel good. We see rock stars and movie stars and, and all these different people selling whatever they can inside of themselves to get the farthest that they can be. But one of the codes we must live by is we realize that everything's not for sale. Here we see Joshua. In Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, God's talked to him. He says, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 13, that you may be able to withstand in the day of the evil. See, those things aren't for sale. Those are relationship based. Whenever your bootstraps break, it's going to be a very difficult time because you're going to feel like you can hawk some things in your spiritual life to get to where you're going to go, and it's going to be a whole lot easier than getting back on the horse. It's going to be a whole lot easier than just keep, keep on going instead of quitting. You know what I mean? Come on now. And those bootstraps break, and we've got to make up our mind there's some things that ain't for sale. Because we get to that place where we know success and prosperous comes through relationship, relationship with Jesus Christ and Him alone. There's no other way. Everything else is a counterfeit success that we don't want to be a part of. But I know you know what I'm talking about. You start bargaining with God. God, is there any other way? And that's the reason why we have to have direct speech. Because he's going to say, no, this is the way you got to go. That's the reason why we got to cowboy up at those times and do those hard things that are not easy. We see that place where the bootstrap breaks and we're going to want to be in that place where we say, God, I don't, I don't know what I'm willing to trade here. And we live in a world that makes it really easy to do that. Nobody's looking, just go do it once. But some things just aren't for sale, are they? And I don't know where you're at, whether you're listening to me here in congregation or whether you're listening to me on, on the other side of the camera. But that all begins, first of all, with the relationship of Jesus Christ, Amen. That this happens through a relationship with, the Jesus, with Jesus Christ. The prosperity that you need in the situation, the success that you need in the situation comes through that relationship. It's not for sale. You can't buy it. You can't be educated enough. You can't be rich enough. It does not happen that way. It happens through one name and one name only, and that is Jesus Christ. But I'm also here with a different message from my brothers and sisters who are in a relationship with Jesus Christ. You're in a relationship with him. And these things that we've talked about, and you're in that situation that's very tough. You didn't ask to be there. You don't want to be there. You wish you weren't there. The good news is you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, and he has what you're looking for. You are tough enough. You are strong enough. You can make it through the help and the spirit of God. I know you feel like mourning, but now's not the time. You need to press on just a little bit further. I know you feel like quitting. It's very natural, but you've got to keep going. I know you feel like you've been knocked on your backside and, and you've done everything that you can, but you need to push yourself up through the Spirit of God and get back on the horse. We've got to choose to do some of these things. And I don't know what situation you're in, 
But I do know that through Christ, he can help you. And it's through that relationship. Would you bow your heads with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.